Good morning to you all. Welcome. Welcome to our service this morning at the Bethel. Six days to go until Christmas and the world's kind of going crazy around us. And I think uh, this is hopefully going to be a really precious time of just being able to meet together and remember what Christmas is really about. Think a little bit about why God sent us Jesus. And uh, we're going to worship together. We we are going to uh, think a little bit about that Christmas story, but we're also going to just offer some praise to our Heavenly Father. And I'd like us to begin by singing together, Come, let us worship. Come, let us worship the King of Kings. Uh, He is the creator of everything around us. He made us, he loves us, and he deserves our praise. And I ask you to stand now and, uh, and give him that praise. Shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, we can call you our Father and we come to you this morning as your children because because of Jesus. And we are so grateful that we we can um, approach your heavenly throne, that we can come into your presence um, because of the grace that you've showed us in, in giving your Son Jesus. And Lord, this morning we're going to remember and read of and think about um, a little bit of the time when you sent him into the world in in the most ordinary yet extraordinary circumstances. You sent your son as a tiny, tiny little baby, like we've all been tiny little babies, and he grew up suffering all the the temptation and the hardship that that we do, Um, and yet he was without sin, as we know, and and, uh, because of that, we, we can be saved. You, you have um, accepted us into your presence. And Father, this morning we, we love being in your presence. We ask that you will be here with us and that you'll help us to know your presence. And that you will, as we sung, fill us with your spirit and captivate our gaze. Please bless us richly this morning and open our hearts to what we read and to what Andy's going to say to us. Um, that this morning may be uh, a time of renewing and refreshing and of refocus, uh, particularly this week, about what Jesus is all about and why you sent him and what he means in our lives. Please bless us richly. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask Alex if he'll come and give us our announcements before we go any further. And while that happens, I'm going to send the collection bags round. So the care news for this week. Uh, we have some sad news from Stockport that Sister Leah of Stockport died this week. So our thoughts are with her family and the brothers and sisters at Stockport. There are probably a lot of people with coughs and colds and bugs and horrid things around this week. We know that Isabel Halstead has been ill this weekend. So uh, think about all of those other people as well. Maybe have a look down your address roll and see if there's anyone close to you that might need a little bit of extra help in the snow. Keep all of the the members of our church that might be travelling away this Christmas time in your prayers, please. Pray that they'll be blessed with safe journeys and that they'll all come back safely to us again. And as always, we, we keep praying for and where we can, providing practical help to all the members that need it, thinking especially of people that are not able to be with us here at the Bethel, people including Bill, Pauline, who does send her love, by the way, Gladys, who's stuck in because of the snow, and Marion, Devon and Christine, Alan McGore, Tammy, there may be other people that you can think of too. Let's also 
not forget, let's continue to pray for God's blessing on John over in the Democratic Republic of Congo, that he will work powerfully in what John does to spread the good news of his kingdom. Those are all the care news I have this week. I'll let Neil deal with anything else that you might have to add. Thank you, Alex. We are going to pray in a few minutes for some of those things. Before we sing our next song, is there anything that anyone else would like me to pray for in a few moments? Let's pray now. If you just incline your hearts to God, um, say where you are. Father, it's great to be here. It's great to be able to meet here with our family and to remember your son and to worship him and to worship you this morning. We want to think this morning of of those who can't be here, who would want to be here, and we pray that you'll uh, keep them close to you. We pray for your blessing on everything this church does today, this week, over the next few weeks. Please bless our witness to the people around us, and please inspire us to to do that in a way which, um, which shows people just how amazing you are. We, we pray for our brother John in Congo. We pray that you'll strengthen him, as Alex said, to, uh, to do your work and to be a blessing to those people around him. We uh, think of Vicky's Auntie Pearl, who's, whose house is ruined at the moment, and we pray that you'll give her people to, to give her comfort and, and help at this time uh, and also help her to know uh, your closeness. Father, we pray for um, our family at Stockport, particularly the family of uh, our sister Jean Lear. She's been such a great example, and she now rests, waiting your kingdom. And uh, we thank you that her suffering's ended. Uh, but we pray that you will comfort her family in this difficult time, and be close to them, and, and inspire people to, to be close to them and give them the comfort that they need uh, until they see her again. Father, the the world that we live in is full of troubles and strife. Um, We we would hope that this time of year would be a time of year when hope and peace and joy could be spread amongst the people that that we meet. Um, It's sometimes not the case. And Lord, we pray pray that each of us will, will know peace and joy, the peace and joy that you send this Christmas and that everyone that we come into contact with may be infected by that peace and joy and and come to know a little of of the real meaning of Christmas and why it is such a joyful time because you sent your son and we pray most of all that you will send him back soon to to solve the troubles of this world so that we can all live at peace and at one with you help us to be as much as we can instruments of your peace in this area. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together again now of some of those things from the hymn book number 194. Lovely carol. It came from the Midnight Clear. It talks about the angels coming and giving that fabulous message to the shepherds. It talks about the fact that the world is still in a mess. And it talks about the hope that we have that Jesus will come and sort that mess out as we've just um, thought about in our prayer. So if you'd like to stand and sing it together. It came upon the midnight clear. Uh, We're going to read together now. Ben is going to lead our reading from Isaiah chapter 42. If you'd like to 
open your Bibles and read along. That's great if you'd like to listen. Thanks, Ben. Isaiah 42. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his law the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you righteousness. I will take hold of your hand, I will keep you and will make you to a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, or my praise to idols. See the former things have taken place, and new things I declare, before they spring into being I announce them to you. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and all who live in them, let the desert and its towns raise their voices. Let the settlements where Kedar lives rejoice. Let the people of Sela sing for joy. Let them shout from the mountaintops. Let them give glory to the Lord and proclaim his praise in the islands. The Lord will march out like a mighty man. Like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. For a long time, I have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp and pant. I will lay waste the mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn rivers into islands and dry up the pools. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are things I will do. I will not forsake them. But those who trust in idols, who say to images, You are our gods, will be turned back in utter shame. Hear you, deaf. Look, you blind and see. Who is blind but my servant? And deaf like the messenger I send. Who is blind like the one I committed to me? Blind like the servant of the Lord. You have seen many things, but have paid no attention. Your eyes are open, but you hear nothing. It pleased the Lord, for the sake of his righteousness, to make his law great and glorious. But this is a people plundered and looted, all of them trapped in pits or hidden away in prisons. They have become plunder, with no one to rescue them. They have been made loot, with no one to say, send them back. Which of you will listen to this, or pay close attention in time to come? Who handed Jacob over to become loot, and Israel to the plunderers? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned? For they would not follow his ways, they did not obey his law. So he poured out on them his burning anger, the violence of war. It enveloped them in flames, yet they did not understand. It consumed them, but did not take away their heart. Thank you, Ben.
you get the, the sense there of God becoming frustrated at you with his people kind of drifting away from following him. But him saying, look, actually, I've got something fabulous I'm going to do for you now. You just need to listen. I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Well, that is just such a lovely picture of hope that God wants to do for us and has done for us. We're going to read um, a very, very familiar chapter from Luke um, in a moment about the birth of Jesus. But I'd like us to, to read it having some context in our heads. It's much bigger now. Well, Bethlehem was, at the time, a very small, dusty, um, a poor little town in a province ruled by an authoritarian regime. Herod the Great's son, just a little bit of history, Herod the Great's son, who was called Herod Archelaus, and he'd ruled um, for a number of years from 4 BC. He'd been put in place by the Romans, uh, but he was a brutal and insensitive ruler. And it came to the point where... um, the complaints were so great about him that he was actually removed and exiled to France by the Romans. Um, and they themselves are not particularly known for their compassion, as we know. Um, and so, at that point, Judea went from being ruled by a Jew, albeit um, a despotic Jew, to being under the direct rule of a Roman senator whose name was Quirinius, who will come across. Now, when Quirinius ordered his census that we'll read about, he wasn't just numbering the population who had taken over. They had to register their possessions, and the point of that was so he could work out how much to tax them. We just read in Isaiah 42 about people being handed over to become loot, being handed over to the plunderers. And there was very much a feeling in those days that what what was happening to the Jews was tantamount to them being subjected to slavery. And a a Galilean named Judas led a rebellion against that census uh, that eventually led to the siege at Masada, the crucifixion of his two sons by the Romans, Um, and an awful lot of cruelty. As we've sung, there have been uh, 2,000 more years of wrong since those days. This is Bethlehem today. And that's that's the backdrop, Um, and I hope a bit of useful context, that's the backdrop to the beginning of what is the most famous story on earth, isn't it? Um, The story of salvation from God, um, and the story of hope in times of of real hardship and cruelty um, under another brutal regime under the Romans. Sounds to me uh, a bit like most of the world today. This story sounds to me like a story for all time. So David, please will you come and read to us uh, Luke chapter 2 and the first 40 verses. Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, they came, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined, destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her, after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. 
Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Thank you, David. We're going to sing Silent Night now, which again takes us from that, that quiet little town, the quiet hillside, the glorious angelic uh, proclamation, through to Jesus being the Son of God and uh, our Redeemer and King. So again, it's, it's telling us a bit about the real message of Christmas, and that's, that's what I want to celebrate um, today. It's in uh, Praise the Lord 90, number 97, if you... Want to use the book or it'll be on the screen? Well, I'm going to ask Andy now to come and uh, encourage us with his words. And God, please bless Andy as he speaks to us now. Thank you, Neil. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Just through the service so far, I've thought of a couple of other exhortations which I would really like to have done this morning, but I've written this one, so I'm going to stick with it. We're going to think this morning about, I suppose really what it, what it means to be happy. This exhortation is inspired by my grandfather. Um, I'm hoping not to cry at any point, but it may go wrong. My granddad is 100, or will be 103 in April next year. And um, as far as I know, he hasn't spoken on a platform for at least 25 years, so I'm not going to be repeating anything that he said. His life and his conversation are a real exhortation to me. And uh, since he can't say it, I'm going to give it a go. As I've said, my granddad will be 103 next year, as long as he makes it there. And although his body is weak, his voice, his mind and his handshake remain very strong. He gets his stories mixed up now and then doesn't necessarily follow from what you've said, but there's always truth in his stories. And there's always a consistent theme. And that theme is God's guidance and grace. Whenever we arrive for a visit, his first words are always the same. And very well, thank you. Thanks to my Father in heaven. And he always thanks God for his life and for the course it's run. And he never complains about the struggles he has with his health. He never complains that he's the only one left. He said a little while ago, something like this. It's not an exact quote because he didn't have a notebook. He said, I struggle to understand, to piece it all together. I look here and here and I can't figure it out. And then I come back to, in the beginning, God. And then I'm a happy man. So let's think about happiness today. What makes us truly happy? I'm going to suggest it's contentment. It's recognising that God is in our lives, that God guides us, accepting God's purpose for us, Embracing that. 
and aspiring to be close to God and not to other things. Let's look at Luke 2. should get better from here because I'm not going to mention it much again. Um, Luke chapter 2. There's a few very special people in this chapter. There's obviously one really special person who we've already talked about in Jesus and we'll come back to looking at Jesus in detail a bit later. But towards the end of this the chapter that we read, we read of a couple of people who were also well advanced in years. First of all, let's look at Simeon. Beginning uh, at verse 25, we see there, Simeon was righteous and devout. We don't know very much about Simeon. We've read everything we know about him this morning already. But we know he was righteous and devout. And we also know that he was waiting. We read he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for consolation. Here is a man who understands or understood God's purpose. God's purpose for him and also God's purpose for the world. We read that the Holy Spirit revealed that he would see the Christ. But I don't think Simeon's faith was just presented to him on a plate. Simeon knew what that meant, what it meant that the Christ would come. He understood that promise of consolation and how much it was needed. I think we can understand from the words that Simeon had been waiting a very long time. Probably most of his life. And here we see, we get to read, we're privileged to see this man seeing that promise fulfilled. We've got Simeon's speech in verses 29 to 32. Let's read it again. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. I think we see in there Simeon's acceptance of God's purpose in his life. A truly godly perspective on what's important in life. I think that we see that Simeon has accepted God's purpose for him. He doesn't need to see Jesus grow. He doesn't need to see this child fulfil the destiny that God had said it would. He was happy with what God had promised him, to see the beginning, to see the start. And we read there, now dismiss your servant in peace. There is contentment with God's purpose. And then we see another character coming along just at that time in Anna from verses 36 down to 38. Here is a woman who has dedicated her life to God. We read in verse 37 that she never left the temple. She was worshipping, fasting and praying day and night. Um, It says in the NIV that she was uh, married for seven years and a widow until she was 84. Um, I think other versions suggest she might have been a widow for 84 years, which makes her incredibly old. Either way, 
she, I think we can say, in those times could do little other than what she did. She fasted, prayed and worshipped. But look at what she does when she meets Jesus. In verse 38. She gives thanks to God. And then she speaks about the child to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Here is a a very old woman who has little that she can do. But what she does is she speaks. She declares God's salvation and God's grace to anyone who would listen. Here, I think, is contentment and happiness in God's service. So I've said, I've talked about my inspiration for the exhortation in my grandfather, but there is another element to it as well, which um, might make me upset for different reasons. I was sitting in the car and in front of me was a bus and on the back of the bus was an advert for the Trafford Centre. I don't know if any of you have noticed that advertising. It said, with over 200 stores, that's a lot of happy. Um, Or something along those lines. They also have uh, an advert which goes something like, stay happy longer, shops open till 11pm. That's quite disturbing, I think. Um, It's not a rant against the Trafford Centre, although I could do that if you wanted. Um, There's lots of similar advertising campaigns um, by, by shops suggesting that happiness and contentment can be found through what we buy. Um, I'm not sure whether the owners of the Trafford Centre feel that anybody really believes that 200 shops can make someone happy in a lasting way, and it, that's not particularly important. I don't want to pretend that none of us can be happy um, by going shopping. I think all of us probably at times enjoy spending some money, getting something new, finding a, a gift for someone that we love. But I would hope that we can all recognise that these things don't bring lasting happiness. If any of us reach 103 years old, I don't think anyone will want to hear our story of a great sale in Next or when you bought a great pair of shoes. Lasting happiness isn't found in these things. A few quotes. The first quote is is one from Nancy. Um, Nancy says, there are no pockets in shrouds. And she's quite right. To quote Paul from 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's the same sort of thing. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. And to quote Jesus from Matthew 16. Verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, so that's to you and me, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? 
Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Here is the path to happiness and contentment. To deny ourselves and to follow Christ. I think we've seen this commitment in Simeon and Anna. And I've seen it too in my grandfather. With Simeon and Anna we see, I think, slightly different ways of understanding deny yourself and follow me. Anna, we know, spent her time in the temple. She never left it. She was there all the time, fasting, praying and worshipping. That was her working out of denying herself and following God. Simeon, we read, was in Jerusalem and the Spirit moved him to go to the temple on that day. So I think, and I might be wrong, I think we can understand that he, he was living out his life in patient waiting. But perhaps a life which was a little bit more recognisable to us than Anna's life of, of full de- dedication. We are each called to understand and to live out that that call to deny ourselves and follow Jesus in different ways. And we're all going to interpret it slightly differently. But living with God must be our focus and our purpose. If we want to be truly happy and content. This is not just a Christmas exhortation. It applies to our whole lives. Happiness and contentment and peace are there before us if we will commit ourselves to God and to follow him and his son. We need only look at the nature of Jesus' birth, the place, the manger, the stable, to see what is important to God. Not the things that we can buy to make us comfortable, but a focus on him. And we see, of course, in Jesus the supreme example of this. His dedication to God and to an acceptance of God's purpose in his life. We don't see Jesus being concerned about what he's going to, what he's going to eat or drink. He says as much. He says he doesn't know where he's going to lay his head sometimes. These things are not Jesus' priority. Jesus knew that obeying God was the most important thing. And he surrendered everything into God's hands and accepted God's, uh, God's purpose and the course plotted out to him. We know and we remember this morning that that led to his crucifixion, to taking his cross in a very real and practical way. But we know too that it led to his resurrection and to his being glorified by God. And so here this morning we can reflect on the cost and on the prize of living our lives in complete obedience to God. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. As I've said, I don't want this exhortation to be about Christmas particularly. Um, if, if you go away thinking that 
you might not be quite such a consumer, then that's great. But the point is that we should celebrate the right things in life. It's so easy at this time of year to be caught up in celebrating wealth rather than celebrating the birth of Jesus. What do you aspire to? Is your life focused on the next promotion, a bigger house, on more stuff? Or is it focused on following Jesus? Because only one of those leads us to happiness and contentment in any real sense. Simeon's words to Mary. Verse... uh, 34 and 35 of Luke 2. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This message of the Bible, this Jesus born in the manger who grew to be the one we remember today in bread and wine is a powerful message. It is destined to cause the falling and rising of many. It says there in Israel, but I think it means everywhere as well. A sword will pierce your own soul too. The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. So as we meet together this morning, Let's try to be honest, to be honest with ourselves and, if you can, be honest with the people who you speak to later on. Have you accepted God's purpose in your life, as Simeon did? Are you ready and eager to worship, to pray and to glorify God, as Anna did in the temple? Are you going to speak of the baby born, of the salvation and the grace given at Christmas, as Anna did, to everyone who would listen? I thought about closing by turning a couple of those um, adverts of the Trafford Centre round um, to make them a bit more positive, which you can do that in your head, because I found a verse which was better. Colossians chapter 3. I say I found it. I can't find it now. There we go. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 to 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Here is the way to a truly happy Christmas. Thank you, Andy. Well, in a moment, we are going to 
do what Jesus asked us. Jesus asked his followers to, to share bread and to drink wine, to remember his act of love, that act of love by which we can rest in our Father's presence here now. Before we do that, we're going to sing from Praise the Lord 277. To be in your presence, to rest, sorry, to sit at your feet where your love surrounds me and makes me complete. This is my desire. I think this, this could be the theme tune to Anna's life and Simeon's life and perhaps Andy's granddad's life. And it ought to be the theme tune to our lives as well. As Andy said, how we interpret uh, this in our day-to-day lives will vary for each of us, but um, it should be what we aim for. And for this moment now, we, we can sit in peace and just be in God's presence together as his family. So we're going to sing this, and I'm going to ask the band to play, just play it through once more afterwards as well. If you'd like to stand to sing, that's fine. If you'd like to sit to sing, that's fine. But let's, uh, let's sing this as a prayer together. Father, sometimes I get confused. I look here and I look there. But then I remember, in the beginning, God, you created us and you saw us and we were good. You planned our salvation in the sight of all people. You gave us a gift, your son of righteousness, his life and his death. And we can taste in this bread the joy of life, the pain of his death, and the contentment of inner peace, which is your gift to us. Thank you, Father. Amen. God sent Jesus into the world as a tiny baby. He grew up serving his father, and he gave himself to be killed, to show us how much he and his father love us and so that if we believe in him uh, we might have our sins forgiven and that we might enter his presence uh, as his children. So we're going to break bread and share it together and remember that now. Help us in the flurry and blurring us of this world, please help us not to take our eyes of Jesus and help him to know that we come together as a church as much as possible to share this wine and help us to take up our cross and to know that Jesus is our way, our truth and our life and help us not to forget that and help us to honour you with our love and we praise you and thank you through Jesus for this, this love that you've given us we thank you now. Amen. The, the blood by which our garments are washed clean and white in God's sight. Well, I hope you felt the warmth of being in God's presence this morning. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for everyone who's helped me out this morning. Thank you for the band and those who've read and prayed. Uh, Derek's going to closing prayer for us in a moment uh, after we've sung um, our final song together and this this is a prayer really that we're going to sing 
to each other, for each other. Um, let's, let's make this our Christmas card to each other, our Christmas wish, um, but also our wish to each other for, for all time, for life. Go peaceful in gentleness through the violence of these days. Give freely, show tenderness in all your ways. God speed you, God lead you, and keep you wrapped around his heart. May you be known by love. Loving Heavenly Father, what a fantastic morning it has been. Wonderful words, wonderful thoughts, wonderful prayers, wonderful music, all encapsulated in the last hymn we sang. Amazing. How truly, truly blessed we are, Heavenly Father, to have you in our lives and Lord Jesus as an example. We cannot express our love for you more. So, so wonderful to know you and to know your purpose and to know that we are celebrating a time 2,000 years ago when that wonderful baby was born and we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, understand what that purpose was. Yes, Jesus went through a very, very difficult 30 years of his life but he knew that he was pleasing you and he was also bringing redemption to all those who would follow him and to know him. And what an amazing promise that is, Heavenly Father, that we have that hope, that hope of eternal life when Jesus returns to this world to make it a wonderful place to be. Our minds cannot begin to imagine the wonder of your wonderful new creation. And so, Heavenly Father, we've been given that spirit of love this morning. We've been reminded from your word how gracious you are in our lives. And it's rather amazing, Heavenly Father, that my thoughts over the past few days have been encapsulated in what had been said this morning and I was so impressed with the words we've just sung and the words we've been expressing this morning are bound, rooted and founded in Paul's letter to the Galatians when he said that we should share love, joy, peace, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and above all, self-control. But the most important of all these things is our love. Our love for Jesus, our love for our Heavenly Father who gave us Jesus and our love for each other. Let us go out into all the world and shout from the rooftops our love and our faith.
so that more people can come to know you, Heavenly Father, and your wonderful Son. We do thank you for this morning, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your great love in Jesus. Amen.